couple of facts uh, about Muhammad that you may have heard. And finally, um, some myths about Muhammad. These are the fiction. These are the fictions here. You can put up many more, um, but these are some that come up um, repeatedly. Muhammad performed miracles. According to the Quran, Muhammad performed no miracles. His only miracle is the Quran itself. That's Muhammad's miracle according to the Quran. Over and over and over again, Muhammad performed no miracles. In the Hadith, teachings about Muhammad uh, outside of the Quran, it says Muhammad performed all kinds of miracles. The reason is the Hadith come from two centuries later. Christian, I mean, uh, uh, when, when Christians were approached by Muslims, the Muslim, we know this historically, here's, here's, here's the interaction between Christians and Muslims for the first 150 years of Islam. Um, hey, you Christians, you need to believe in Allah and his messenger. Well, we believe in Jesus, he rose from the dead. What did Muhammad do? Well, he, he made this awesome book. <laughs> Lovely calligraphy. You should believe it. Uh, uh, what? What's that? What, what are you talking about? A book? We got a, re we got a resurrection. You know, Moses, he's part of the Red Sea, and you're talking about, you're talking about a book. Uh, and then, all of a sudden, Muslims started coming up with all these miracle stories. Um, Muhammad split the moon in half. That's, bigger than the red, that's better than the Red Sea. Uh, Muhammad split the moon in half. They started coming up with all these wonderful miracle stories. Muhammad, you know, water could come out of his fingertips when people are, were thirsty and so on. Uh, so you have lots of Muslims who believe Muhammad performed all kinds of miracles despite the fact that the Quran repeatedly affirms he didn't perform any miracles. And the reason is Muslims needed that. They needed, they needed, uh, they needed some, some things to tell Christians and Jews about. So that's a myth. Um, Muhammad promoted tolerance. You saw the verses. Uh, Muhammad promoted tolerance when it was convenient for him. When Muslims were in a majority, there is, no, there is to be no tolerance. In fact, uh, according to the Quran, Surah 47 and 35, if, uh, if Muslims are supposed to be uppermost, if they're, in a, if, they're in a, if they're in an area where they formed the majority, they are not to seek peace. There are no terms of peace at all. And finally, Muhammad defended women's rights. Uh, I hear this over and over and over again. I see people in the media saying Muhammad was, he was virtually a feminist. I have, absolute, I have absolutely no clue uh, what people are thinking. In Islam, if your wife gets out of line, uh, you beat her into submission. In Islam, the testimony, the, the trial testimony of a woman is worth half that of a man. Uh, women actually asked Muhammad why. He said, it's because you're stupid. He said, the, it's, because, it's due to the deficiency of your intellect. Um, you have all kinds of problems that go back to Muhammad himself. If a woman wants to accuse a man of raping her, she has to have four male Muslim witnesses in good standing with the community to bear witness that they witnessed it. This is wreaked havoc. Uh, this is wreaked havoc in the Muslim world. Uh, and the reason is, a woman gets raped, she can't go and accuse the guy, unless there are four guys standing there. They're just standing around watching and they're willing to testify. Um, so if they're not, if you don't have that, if you don't have those four witnesses willing to testify, then you cannot, there can be no conviction against the man. Well, what's the problem? Some of the women get pregnant. And so they know the woman has been engaged in sexual activity. They can't convict the man, they can convict the woman. And it's been estimated, I forget whether it was Afghanistan or Pakistan, it was one of the two. Uh, it's estimated 75% of, uh, of the women in prison are there for being raped. For being raped and for accusing a man and not being able to get a conviction or um, for getting pregnant and not being able to prove a case. Uh, horrible situation goes back to Islam. And it, just a little historical note here, the reason uh, for that revelation 
Muhammad's wife Aisha had been accused of sleeping with someone. And Muhammad was depressed, he didn't know how he was going to settle the case, and then he said, well, if she's guilty, bring your four witnesses. Oh, you can't. She's innocent. So these things that really just seemed to be morally convenient for Muhammad at the time are now uh, absolutely wreaking havoc in the world. Now, I don't know what time we have left, but questions? Any questions? On, have you been wondering anything about Islam? Yeah, Chris? Um, I think you're saying that slightly in an extreme way, uh, that it's good to rape her in the presence of her husband. Um, uh, it's acceptable. It's certainly acceptable. And this goes, this is, this is Surah 424 of the Quran, which says, married women are forbidden to you to have sex with. Uh, married women are forbidden to you unless, unless they're your captives, unless your right hand possesses them. And so that verse is interesting in itself. You can't have sex with a married woman unless you've captured her, unless you have physically captured her. Uh, why that's interesting is we know from the Hadith what was the historical situation, what was the historical scenario. Muslims had conquered a town. Muslims had conquered a town. And lots of times they'd kill the men and take the women and children captive. This time they took the men captive as they took the, the men captive too. And for a significant period of time, uh, for a significant period of time, the Muslims didn't have sex with their captives, even though the Quran allows them to have sex with their captives. Um, they didn't have sex with their captives because their husbands were alive, so they're still married women. And so eventually they go to Muhammad and they say, hey, we don't want to have sex with these captive women because their husbands are still alive. Good. What a great idea. I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a, I like that. Don't do it. They're married. Stop it. Control yourself. Uh, then Surah 424 came down. That's the historical situation. They ask Muhammad a question. Then the verse comes down. Married women are forbidden to you unless you've captured them. And so this allowed men, this allowed the Muslim men uh, to rape these captives whose husbands were sitting right there. Interesting stuff. Yeah? Uh, along those lines, um, I understand there are no homosexuals in Islam, correct? I mean, where do they base that on? Do they have a basis or what's the preference? Uh, no, homosexuals are to be killed um, in Islam. Now, now you do have um, homosexuals who consider themselves Muslims. So there's one at New York University, Ursad Manji, uh, who's a lesbian. Um, uh, and, you know, she's reinterpreted Islam. She called for reform in Islam. But no, you, yeah, you certainly can't be a devout Muslim um, and think that homosexuality is, uh, is okay. Uh, you have to be killed. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain the relationship between the name Allah and the moon god? Uh, well, uh, I, I think this gets, I think the, this argument gets, um, gets overused um, because I think, I think Muslims could, could, could reasonably answer this. So you have, uh, you have three goddesses who are called the daughters of Allah who are also called, uh, you know, the daughters of the moon. So Allah is the god of the moon, no problem. Um, and so, it, you know, uh, critics of Islam point this out. Hey, wait a minute, Allah is the moon god. Um, you know, you, you had tons of gods for all kinds of things, and then you took Allah, the moon god, and made him the chief god, and then tossed all the others aside. Come on, uh, you took a pagan god. But I, I, I think a Muslim could just say that was, you know, that got corrupted over time. So originally Allah was the supreme god, 
and eventually the pagans, the polytheists, had you know, reduced him to just the god of the moon. And uh, so I, I think, I think they, could, they could answer that. Um, so there, there is a connection between Allah and, and the moon. That's why you've got the crescent moon uh, as the symbol of Islam. Um, but, I mean, if, if you imagine, they uh, suppose that, you know, archaeologists find some statue of Yahweh along, alongside a bunch of other gods or something like that, we wouldn't say, oh, therefore, Yahweh is a, you know, is a, is a pagan god or something. We'd say that area corrupted, uh, corrupted the, the, the true teachings. What else? Is oh, yeah? Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, over and over again. Um, teaches, uh, teaches um, creation is either six days or eight days, depending on which, which, uh, which story you go to. Uh, the difference is Adam and Eve are created in paradise. Um, so they're created in heaven, uh, not on earth. They get cast down to earth as punishment. So um, Adam and Eve are created in paradise. There are the, it's actually, it's actually a very interesting situation. Um, Allah in the Quran commands the spirit beings, the jinn, the angels, and so on, not to bow down before anyone except Allah. You don't bow to anyone but Allah. Also, according to the Quran, when he creates Adam, he says, all of you angels bow down to Adam. And Satan says, no, not doing it. And that's why he's cast down, which is very interesting. <laughs> You told me not to bow down. I'm not bowing down. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, so what you have is you have, there's, there's already these, these beings are created from different things. So uh, the, the jinn are created from fire. Man is created uh, from clay. This is in paradise. Adam and Eve sin. They get cast down to this world as punishment. Uh, and then, you know, things proceed. But they have the flood. They have, they have other things uh, in the Quran. What, what's kind of interesting is Muslims say they don't believe in original sin. Uh, you'll, you'll always hear that. We don't believe in original sin. It's a very uh, quick, easy question to bring up. Well, if being here in this world is punishment, you're a baby, you're born in this world, you haven't sinned yet, why are you being punished when you haven't sinned yet? So they, in other words, Adam and Eve end up here because they're being punished, but we're all here as well, even before, even with no reason. Um, why are we being punished for sins that Adam committed? So you can actually, but Muhammad didn't think through this stuff very carefully when he's, uh, when he's coming up with these things. Yeah? First of all, this was wonderful, and we're, we're in your debt today. I appreciate it very much. Secondly, do you have this presentation on a DVD available to us? And third, is the, the harem warfare of the Old Testament, the destruction of the Canaanites uh, as for their paganism, is that brought to you by Muslims at all in their, when there's discussion of jihad, and how do you answer them? Um, well, yes, Muslims bring this up regularly. Uh, I find it interesting that many Muslims will, will bring it up uh, to condemn, um, to condemn the Old Testament. You see, that can't be the word of God. It talks about going on and killing all these people and stuff like that. Um, uh, the problem is, again, their book affirms our book. And in fact, the Quran specifically talks about Joshua's wars um, uh, against, uh, against the, the unbelievers, against the Canaanites. Uh, so you have that in the Quran, a Muslim can't reject it. But as far as bringing up, Muslims will use that in a different way. They'll bring it up as a defense. When you say, hey, why is Islam so violent? Why does it call for fighting the unbelievers? 
Um, the, the difference, the difference between Judaism, Christianity on one hand and Islam on the other is not in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament, do you have fighting people to convert them. Um, you don't. Um, in, uh, in the Old Testament, fighting them because of their horrendous immorality, they had a chance to repent, they refused to repent, God warns them now, now they are judged, now they are judged for their immorality. Um, it's never go and convert the entire world um, to Judaism or go and fight and convert the entire world um, to Christianity through warfare. Uh, so basically in the Old Testament you have, here's the land I'm giving you, and you can fight to defend your land. And in, Christi and in Christianity, um, we don't fight for Christianity in the, fence of, in, in the sense of fighting, uh, going out and fighting unbelievers at all. Um, in Islam, you fight everyone. Uh, you fight everyone. Fight those who do not believe. Those are all unbelievers. Muhammad said, Muhammad said, in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, there are two most trusted collections of teachings from Muhammad, if, 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 you're not, if you don't know what that means. Uh, the Quran is officially a revelation that came down from God. It's got nothing to do with Muhammad, except for he's the one that received it and said, this is Allah's word, Allah's literal word that's eternal. The Hadith contains the actual teachings of Muhammad. So what did Muhammad teach, which are authoritative as well? Uh, he's the prophet. Um, in the Hadith, Muhammad said, I've been commanded by Allah, I've been commanded to fight people until they say, La ilaha illallah, and they establish prayer, uh, prayer and pay the zakah. So you've been commanded to fight people until they become Muslims. And Ibn Kathir, uh, again, the greatest Muslim commentator of all time. Interesting commentary on Surah 2, 256. So um, 2, 256 of the Quran, again, is a verse which says there's no compulsion in religion. You hear that over and over again if you bring up uh, that Islam is not tolerant or something like that. Surah 2, 256, Ibn Kathir's commentary on it, he says this has been abrogated by the later commands to fight them. And after he discusses this a little while, he says, Therefore, all people of the world should be called to Islam. If any one of them refuses to come or refuses to pay the jizya, they should be fought till they are killed. Um, so, yeah, you don't have anything like that, anything close to that uh, in the Bible. Yeah? Yes, I was hoping uh, when you started to mention already the, the doctrine of sin, uh, could you elaborate a little more on some of the issues and the ways maybe that in debate you, you dealt with that mm -hmm. and, uh, with Muslims uh, and how they understand <laughs> Um, well, a Muslim will tell you, a Muslim will tell you that they, that they have the kind of phrase, we don't believe in original sin, we believe in original innocence. Uh, and I have, uh, you, again, you have all kinds of problems with that, uh, namely that we're all here as punishment, and according to them we haven't, been, we haven't sinned yet, so why are we being punished? Um, uh, but you have, some, you have some other issues. You have Muhammad, the fact that Muhammad taught that um, uh, because of Eve, because of Eve's disobedience, that's why women sin, that's why women are stupid, that's why women menstruate. Well, why do women have to go through all of this because of, because of Eve? Uh, so you have, you have, you have all the teachings. It's, it's, it's like Muhammad just you know, took things from all over the place and never thought through the theology uh, of what he was saying. Um, on, uh, you know, another issue with sin is on the surface, on the surface, Muslims seem to understand that sin is horrendous. I mean, if you, what, what's the penalty for this? What's the penalty for that? Death, kill, chop off hands, 100 lashes, uh, very strong punishments uh, for sin. But at the end of the day, it really looks like just social control. Because at the end of the day, they don't seem to understand how severe sin is. So um, main difference between Christianity and Islam with, with respect to sin is Allah's justice is not perfect. At the end of the day, Allah can just forgive you. There is no sacrifice for your sins. Uh, and so, 
matter of fact, I'll bring up another point right now. Uh, Allah's love isn't perfect either. Uh, according to the Quran, Allah has no love for unbelievers. Allah has no love for unbelievers. It says in Surah 332, Allah does not love unbelievers. So in the Quran, Allah has no love for unbelievers, and also Allah, at the end of the day, you die, He can just forgive you of your sins. All right, I forgive you of those. But what's that mean? It means there's going to be unpunished sin. Not all sin is punished in Islam. Allah just sweeps it under the rug. Very different from Christianity where, at the end of time, all sin has been punished. Every, every last sin that has ever occurred has been punished, either on Jesus Christ or you take it yourself. Yeah? After 9-11, we started hearing a lot about the reward with jihadists and the 72 virgins. Where is that in the comment? How did that develop in time to where now it seems to be a popular view? Well, the, the number 72 uh, doesn't come from the Quran. You're promised, uh, you're promised your huris um, in the Quran. Uh, Muslims are promised their huris in paradise. Uh, these are large-breasted virgins who their, vir their virginity is perpetually restored. There's, a, there's actually a, a narration that goes back to Aisha when she was told about this, when, when they were told, and their hymens will be restored every day. Uh, and she goes, oh, how painful. Uh, so, so this is Muhammad's nine-year-old life. Um, um, so, yeah, but yes, in, in the Hadith, not in the, you, in the Quran, you are promised your, so the couple issues here. In the Quran, you are promised your virgins in paradise, but you don't have a guarantee. You don't have a guarantee uh, for paradise. The only one who, had, who is guaranteed paradise, 100%, is the person who dies fighting the unbelievers. Those are the only people who are guaranteed paradise. Other than that, it's a, it's a crapshoot. And Muhammad himself said, I do not know what will happen to me. I don't know what will happen to me after death. Um, and Abu Bakr, Muhammad's closest companion and the first rightly guided caliph said, if I had one foot in paradise, I would still fear Allah's deception. So if I had one foot in paradise, I would wonder if I'm really gonna make it there. Uh, there is no guarantee except for uh, the person who dies fighting the unbelievers. And that actually, that, that first came about, Muslims were fighting a battle and they were losing. And Muhammad said, all right, anyone who dies gets paradise. And then they became much, much more fierce uh, in their fighting. Uh, so, uh, again, a couple of issues here. One, the Quran guarantees Muslims their, their virgins in paradise. Uh, generally, the, it's the Hadith that talk about being guaranteed um, being guaranteed paradise if you die finding the unbelievers. And the number 72 comes from the Hadith as well, uh, but that's a minimum. That's a minimum. If you're a really good Muslim, you could get many more. You could get far more um, virgins uh, in paradise. And interestingly, in the Hadith, Muhammad promised his followers that they would have eternal erections. So, and this was in a response, this was in a response to the question, will we have the strength for it? Will we have the strength for all this sex? Allah promises miraculous sexual abilities uh, in paradise. Uh, Chris, are we, is our, is our time up? Oh, okay. Yeah? Uh, you, 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 have a, you, have a, you have a split between the Sunnis and the Shias. It originally started over, Muhammad dies from, he was poisoned. Um, he was poisoned by uh, a Jewish woman. Um, Muhammad dies, and one group says he said that Abu Bakr is gonna, should be leader, and the other group says no, he said Ali should be the leader, 
and some sided with Ali, some sided with Abu Bakr, and you eventually ended up with uh, the Sunnis and the Shias. It started as a political difference, but since they believed in a different, a different uh, authority, so Shias will tend to reject teachings of Abu Bakr, quotations from Abu Bakr, Aisha. Um, since you ended up with a different emphasis, uh, you ended up with some differences in theology, although, although the main differences are political, but Shias are much more likely to uh, you know, make shrines at, you know, uh, at graves and so on. Um, but then you have, you have disagreements in Shia Islam. Uh, so Iran, mostly Shia Muslims. Uh, you have differences there. And then the Twelvers, um, those are the ones who you had your 12 imams. And then the final imam, he went and hid in a cave, and he's been there for centuries, and eventually he's going to come out. He's going to come out and rule, rule the Muslim community. Yeah? Uh, well, Muslims would say, Orthodox Muslims would say, and I would agree with them, that, um, <laughs> that, uh, that, that uh, people in the nation of Islam, and definitely the five percenters, uh, are, 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 are not Muslims. Um, you can't have in Islam an incarnation uh, of Allah. And five percenters say they're all God. So five percenters say we're all, I mean, not us, um, but they say that they're gods. Um, so if from, a, from an Orthodox Muslim position, uh, there's no no way to recon- there's no way to reconcile that with the, teachings, uh, with the teachings of Islam, which is why they have to say, ah, there's a secret book that, was, that goes back to Muhammad, and it's been a secret for all these times, which, uh, no question, that's, that's, not, that's not right. Yeah? I've read in articles by well-meaning people that since uh, Muhammad is a descendant of Ishmael and quotes the Bible and the Quran, that basically Allah and the God that was worshipped by the Jews and Christians is just the same God. Is there any good short answer to that? Obviously, all the theological things you presented here really are a larger answer. Well, if, if, if a Muslim says, hey, you know, do we believe in the same God? I say, what do you mean? Uh, we both believe in a being that created the world. Uh, we both believe in an all-powerful being. Uh, yeah, okay, I believe in that too. Um, but at the end, of the, the main differences would be, according to the Quran, Allah is a father to none. Uh, the highest relationship you can have with Allah is slave to master. Um, he is a father to no one. Um, so, in Christianity, God is our father. In Islam, you cannot have a relationship like that uh, with God. So that's one. Um, we believe God is triune. We believe God is triune. Um, in Islam, um, in Islam, he's not. Um, we believe in you know incarnation, things like that. Um, so these are main differences, um, but also. Uh, Allah is just uh, almost completely arbitrary. I mean, that's why you have Muhammad saying, I don't know what's going ha- to happen to me. I mean, I can't imagine Jesus or the apostles saying, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I don't know what's going to happen if I die. Oh, I'm scared. Um, so, so, so you have that, and you have uh, the fact that, that Allah has no love for anyone except for good Muslims, whereas you know, Christ died for us while we were, while we were yet sinners. Uh, so, anything else? Yeah? Just a question uh, Many believe that the Antichrist will be the Muslim Imam, the Mahdi. Could you explain a little about the Mahdi and many Islamic people's expectation of his coming and his power and his global authority? Um, well, you have a ton of strange and conflicting uh, teachings. Um, as far as the, the, the Mahdi is going to be someone who, you know, who comes along to, to help restore and stuff like that. The final judgment in Islam is by Jesus. Jesus comes back. 
judges everyone. He's going to kill all Christians and Jews, uh, destroy all crosses, kill all pigs, and you know that'll be the final. Uh, that'll be the final um, stage. As far as you know, linking uh, with uh, linking with the Antichrist, it is. I mean, it is. It is kind of important because you have lots of people say, ah, the Catholic Church, that's the, the Antichrist. If you look at every location associated with the end times, every one is somewhere in the Middle East. I mean, it's all over the Middle East. Um, there, uh, let me put it differently. Uh, it's all Muslim areas uh, that are associated with, with the end times, uh, biblically. Um, so it would seem, it would seem that it has, it's going to have something, um, you know, unless, unless certain locations are, are metaphorical or something like that. Um, but, you know, as far as the actual locations mentioned, um, all over the place, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Muslim areas, so. Um, but I'm not uh, uh, outside my field on, uh, on end times. Yeah? It's kind of a minor point, but it's something that's puzzled me. Um, you alluded to Jesus killing pigs. I know Muslims also have a horror of dogs and of mice. Mm -hmm. And how does that reconcile with the idea that God is the creator of all things when, when it seems like some of God's creatures are inherently evil? I just never understood how that could... Uh, um. Yeah, there, 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 there's no official Muslim reconciliation. Individual Muslims could try to argue why. Uh, but you have Muhammad, he teaches God created all of this. And you have Muhammad, that, you know, the pig is unclean, kill all dogs, kill lizards, kill mice. Um, you, you have a, some sources say you kill all dogs, and some Muslims go with that, go with that hadith. Others say just, it just refers to black dogs. Um, I own a black dog, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to die. He's, he's got to go. Muhammad's, Muhammad said it, it, black dogs are uh, possessed by jinn. So your dog is possessed, according to Islam. And, you you know, sound like Robin Williams. Yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, that's always, that's always bothered me. I had a, I, I, my dog once saved my great-grandmother. Um, he saved her life and stuff. It's, you, know, it's a, you never find a more loyal animal ready to... Actually, that's probably a connection. That is the animal most willing to lay down its life for you. You've got that Christian concept of, you know, sacrificing. They don't like that. You know, got to kill those animals. They'll make people start thinking it's good to, uh, you know, to have a sacrifice. Uh, anything else? Yep. Is the Hadith on par with the Quran in terms of inspiration? If there's a conflict, the Quran wins. So if the Quran and the Hadith ever contradict one another, uh, then the Quran wins. That is the official, perfect word uh, of God. But if there isn't a conflict, um, Muslim, Muslims have grades of uh, hadith, the, the plurals, ahadith. Um, but you can have your sahih hadith, these are, these are the most reliable ones. So, and that generally when I, quote, when I quote hadith, it's from sahih al-Bukhari or sahih Muslim. They consider those the, the most trusted. Um, but you have levels. You have, you have your sahih, then you have your, your hasan, which are okay, but not, not completely reliable. And then you have your da'if, which there, there's a problem. Uh, there, there's a question mark after it of whether, uh, whether it really goes back to Muhammad. Um, but yes, your sahih hadith, your sahih hadith. So if you quote something from sahih Muslim or sahih uh, al-Bukhari, and you can get these, you can get these online at Amazon. Um, get the whole collection translated in English. Uh, they're, they're even available online if you want to look them up. Um, but those are as good as gold, again, unless there is a direct contradiction. Um, because these are the teachings of Muhammad. This is what Muhammad said. So Muhammad said this. Muhammad can't contradict the Quran. Yeah? So, so if there is a contradiction, uh, you would always go back to the Quran, so, so abrogation would not apply to 
Well, uh, inter interestingly, there, there are a couple. There are a couple of situations where uh, the hadith are said to, to abrogate, and the, the the idea is the doctrine of stoning. Uh, Umar, second rightly guided caliph, said there's supposed to be a verse in the Quran about stoning women, uh, and he says it, it ended up not in the Quran. Um, so that's a situation where uh, Muslims in the modern world and Muslim countries look at it and say, okay, there's no verse of stoning in the Quran. The Quran says if you get caught in sexual sin, hundred lashes. That's what it says. So why the stoning? Well, you also have Muhammad saying you, you stone them to death. So that's a situation where some Muslims look at it and say, okay, the Quran says um, the Quran says hundred lashes, but we know this one goes. Muhammad commanded this, and so uh, we'll say uh, we'll say it abrogates it. But the, the 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 first the first thought would be try to reconcile them. Um, the, the first thought, if there's a conflict, would be especially. If, I mean, if it's something that that goes back to Muhammad, they have multiple quotations from it in their reliable sources. Uh, they're gonna. In, in general, it's, it's let's reconcile it this way. And generally, in the, in the reliable uh, traditions, you don't find much that, uh, that would flat out contradict uh, the Quran. What are some of these other reliable uh, sources? Well, they, they, anyone can, can write a collection of hadith. So right now, I could sit down and write, this is my collection of, of hadith. So what you have, when you have Sahih al-Bukhari, you have Imam Bukhari, who's a Muslim scholar. He said, here are my criteria for determining the most reliable hadith. And I'm going to go out and find, because the stories just got passed on. They're all over the place. And so you go around collecting narrations. So Muslims treat him as the most reliable because they believe he had the most reliable methodology and he was the most thorough. Uh, and the other is Imam Muslim, who they also believe had, uh, along with Bukhari, the most reliable methodology for determining true narrations from false narration. Now, Bukhari would go up to someone and say, hey, tell me the story I heard that you know. Okay, where did you get that from? And where did he get it from? And where did he get it from? And where did he get it from? Back to the time of, try and trace it back to the time of Muhammad. And once he had traced it back to the time of Muhammad, he would look to every name on the list in the chain of transmission and ask, is this guy trustworthy? Is this guy reliable? Uh, if so, then you know these guys aren't lying. You know this goes back uh, to Muhammad. So those are what are considered the, ha the sahih hadith, the, the reliable hadith. Um, but you can have you know, question marks after certain people's names. So he got it from him. I don't know. This guy's kind of shaky. I don't know if I can completely trust him. And so you can't completely trust the story. And then you have someone's missing. I don't know where they got. I don't know who got it from who. Um, or someone's really shaky on there. I, I, you know, this guy might have made things up. Then, you, you know, you tend not to trust them. But you have um, in Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, it's, they're all reliable. That's why they're the most trusted collections, because every one is considered reliable. And then other collections, they include even uh, daif narrations. So they include the weakest. And their, their attitude would be, let's put this in here so maybe we can later vindicate it, uh, because maybe it does actually go back to Muhammad. But as of right now, we don't, we don't know if this is true or not. So you have all kinds of, uh, all kinds of collections out there. Why don't you take one more question? Did anybody uh, yep. ask a question? Anybody who has not asked a question? Uh, Pastor Stein? You didn't ask a question, did you? No, he didn't ask a question. All right, let's take the last two. Okay. All right, you go first. When you're dealing with the abrogation, it seems like a natural response by a Muslim would be the Christians, Old, old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Testament versus New Covenant, mm -hmm. New Covenant. If that comes up in debate, how do you deal with that uh, in light of them saying, well, you have the same thing in your faith? Well, it's, it, it, there's a massive difference. So in Christianity, we have covenants. So God makes a, a covenant with Adam. God makes a covenant with Noah. God makes a covenant with Abraham. God makes a covenant with Moses. Uh, and God ultimately makes a covenant in the blood of, you know, with the blood, us in the blood of Jesus. Um, so we have different covenants in the Bible. 
that's very different from abrogation of the Quran. Uh, one day, Muhammad, so in the Quran, in the Quran, you have uh, the penalty for sexual sin is house arrest for life. You also have in the Quran the penalty for sexual sin is a hundred lashes. Now, wait a minute, this verse says the penalty for sexual sin is house arrest. This one says the penalty is a hundred lashes. In the Hadith you have the penalty is stoning. What's going on here? What's going on here? Uh, and so in Christianity, in Christianity, the, the two main differences. One, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, on a much more massive scale. You have a covenant and then um, over a thousand years goes by and then you have, you have another covenant. Number two, you're promised the new covenant in the writings under the old covenant. So even under the old covenant, in the Old Testament, we're told, oh, by the way, this isn't the final covenant. The real covenant, the final covenant uh, is eventually coming. Uh, where in Islam, Muhammad gives a revelation one day, and in fact, sometimes it would be just a few minutes later, um, Muhammad gives one revelation, and then another one comes along a little after it, and people started actually ridiculing Muhammad because of that, hey, you're just, you know, you're kind of ma making this up as you go along. Um, so, I, I mean, I would say, look, here's, where, here's in the Old Testament where we are promised a new covenant. Um, why is it in Islam that you have these contradictory teachings um, and that you say one abrogates another? Because, uh, this, this would be the, the final idea on this point, the Quran also says that if the Quran were not from Allah, they would have, defound, they would have found discrepancies and contradictions in it. Well, wait a minute, here's the problem. Now you've got a problem. Now you've got a problem because Muslims believe the Quran is eternal. It's been eternal. Uh, it's always been. The Quran is eternal, and in that eternal Quran, so before you start getting these revelations and they're abrogating each other and so on, in the Quran you have, for example, one claim, the penalty for sexual sin is house arrest. Two, you have the claim that the penalty for sexual sin is 100 lashes. And three, the claim that there's no discrepancies in this eternal Quran. Wait a minute. Yeah, you do. Uh, so the Quran from all eternity contradicts itself. Uh, we don't have that with, with you know, yeah. distinction among the covenants. Did you answer Pastor Stein's? Uh, no. David, um, you know, of course, the hotbed issue right now is the mosque. Now, is it true that a mosque is a declaration of dominion in that area? Um, you know, it, an individual Muslim doesn't have to have that attitude, but historically, think about it, historically, Muhammad starts off in Mecca. The Kaaba, which is the center of Muslim worship right now, was a pagan center of worship. That's what it was. Every record we ever have, as far as history is concerned, that was always a pagan mosque. Uh, what did Muhammad go for as soon as he conquered the area? He took over the Kaaba, smashed all the idols. Um, when Muslims conquered Jerusalem, what did they do? Temple Mount. We want a mosque there. Uh, over and over and over again, when Muslims conquer an area, it's uh, either tear down the old places and build a mosque, or um, just convert, just convert the, just convert the, the old church or the old uh, synagogue into a mosque, and that's been every place because historically those places were always the center. Um, the the worship centers were like the center of that was people's focus. In in the West, we don't have a place like that. We don't have this is the religious center uh, of America. You don't you don't have that. You do have an economic center. That was the World Trade Center. Uh, Level it, and again, I don't know. I don't. I, I can't look into anyone's heart, so I don't know what any individual Muslim's attitude is. Historically, you erect mosques um, as a, as a sign, as a symbol of Islamic power. Um, you see what we just did. Um, so, yeah. All right. Thank you. Give a big round of applause.
I'm sure most or all of you have a lot more questions, and the big suggestion I have for you is to invite David to speak at your church or your school or your parachurch group. And uh, th this was a free luncheon, and you were invited as my guests. But what I have been typically doing is leaving it up to your own conscience. If you'd like to give a gift to David, right there, very appropriately on that little bar there, there's a giant bowl, a giant metal bowl. I have to. If you would like you to give David a gift, if you're making it a check, make it out to David Wood.